0: Joining me today here in the studio, my guest has been a music creator doing electronic dance music. He also is a voiceover actor, and he also not only has a podcast of his own, but has really become a key figure on the podcasting scene throughout the greater Tampa Bay area and really beyond for that matter. He was nominated for Best Tech Podcast at the Podcast Awards. You've been hearing one of his songs called Promise. It is my pleasure to welcome Steve Cherubino, How's it going, Bruce? Fantastic. Steve, uh, thanks so much for being on the show today. Uh, part of me wants to say that it must be odd for you as a podcaster to be in the guest chair, but you've been at this for quite a long time, so perhaps have you been a guest on enough podcasts now where it's not as strange as it was maybe the first time or the second time?
1: It's not, it's not really strange, but I, I haven't been on enough podcasts as the guest. Being a podcaster doing like a thousand shows... You start to wonder why people don't ask you to be on their show enough. I've only been on a few podcasts, and I'm like, I I want to be the guest. I love being the guest.
0: And have you actually, I mean, you just threw out the number of 1,000. Have you actually done 1,000, or are you just kind of... No, between I think between, I never really calculated. It's
1: got to be really close between everything I've done and all the different shows. Yeah. So I I love podcasting, and I love being the guest on the show.
0: And so you've been podcasting for how long? Since 2008. Wow. Wow. And it, it amazes me because... You know, there are people out there that are saying, you know, podcast is really coming into its own. And it's like, well, you kind of you have to be careful how you word that, you know, because it has been around for, for longer than 2008. It's interesting.
1: I, I was like really hardcore into it. 2008, 2009. And then at 2010 and 11, I'm like, this isn't really going to catch on. I don't think. <laughs> and then, so I kind of like started to lose interest a little bit and it waned. And then all of a sudden, this explosion in 2013 and 2014. So basically, I'm catching back up again, to be mm-hmm.
0: honest. Interesting. Uh, well, let's start off first uh, by talking about the music that you create, because EDM really is such a popular genre of music. What, what a rabid community EDM listeners are, aren't they? I
1: love it. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, it's, I think it's the next big thing in music. I mean, technology is advancing so fast. Music and technology together is like the perfect combination. That's basically what EDM is. So, uh, yeah, that's it's going crazy, and the fan. There's so many fans of it.
0: Uh, do you actually get out to events to see? I'm, I'll say your counterparts or or do you just listen to it all from a distance? I'm thinking specifically of say something like the Ultra Music Fest in Miami, for example.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I went to Electric Daisy Carnival in Orlando because I wanted to see what it was like to be there. And I was like the oldest person there. <laughs> so, so I'm like, all right, I experienced it. I know what goes on here. It's very cool, but I'll probably listen to it in my car for the most part. Um, unless, you know, my music gets good enough and out there enough that I'm playing at these festivals. I wouldn't mind that because those guys are, could be kind of my age. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I would like to go to Ultra down in Miami. It's just that festival is what got me interested in electronic dance really? music. Yeah, I saw it on YouTube on a live stream, and I just saw what the crowd was like. I heard what the music was like, and I'm like, everybody there is just having a good time. There's like no other agendas. They're there to enjoy the music, and it was that just blew my mind, and I, I really latched onto that.
0: Okay, so I'm going to give you an opportunity here then to kind of be the voice of, dare I say, that festival because I was invited to it uh, maybe a year or so ago, and, and listeners don't start sending you know nasty tweets or emails or whatever. Uh, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, and this was just mine at the time, but I looked at videos of it on YouTube. I wasn't watching the live stream. Mm-hmm. But to me, and again, I'm going to start to sound old myself, but I thought, that doesn't look like the safest environment that I want to be in. And I'm talking more from the standpoint of just this tremendous mass of people all in one place that look like they're... Shoulder to shoulder, yeah. um, so go ahead and, and you know and advocate for that because well, obviously you just described it as it looks like a real fun atmosphere. It, yeah, and it
1: is. Um, it's 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 very safe. I mean, you're looking right at the very front row where they're all like smashed up against the gate and they all want to like get as close as possible. You know, a little farther out after that, it's normal. It just breaks up and the, and the crowd kind of disperses a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you could just walk around, and there's usually like three or four different stages going at the same time, so you don't have to stay at that main stage. So you just walk around like you're at a carnival, basically, yeah. and uh, or a fair, and just listen to the music you want. Um, the one thing, though, for maybe some of our us older folks, <laughs> um, it's so loud. I, I immediately bought earplugs, and it was still wow. loud. You're, wow. You, the bass coming out of these speakers... Literally makes your whole body vibrate to the point where you feel like something's wrong.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> like, and then you leave there, and you're like vibrating all the way home.
0: <laughs> but it's a really
1: good time because the energy's so high, you know. It's and the music's great.
0: Well, it's interesting though that you're saying that because. Um, I have to get my my cheat screen up in front of me uh, so that I get so I can the listeners can can go back and and hear it firsthand for themselves. But back on episode eight, uh, Dominic Pages talked about the fact that recording in the, in this but you're actually recording vibrations you know when you're recording music you're recording vibrations and, and that's what you're talking about is going on there is that there's so much vibration at that festival that i mean you're literally feeling it inside your body um you know when i when i was writing up the questions for this interview i kind of stopped and thought to myself well why are you going to ask him if he goes out to these events to see his counterparts because the songwriters that are in the audience or the country singers or whoever you know it's a matter of well i don't need to go see them with my own two eyes to see the music they're creating or to see how they're creating it um but at the same time you know it is a competitive business and sometimes you do like to just go to see it with your own two eyes to check out the competition instead of just sit back and listen to it through the computer
1: yeah yeah and there's something to a live show that just it's undeniable it's you can't duplicate it like through your car stereo. Um, just being there, you know. And I, I wanted to experience that, and there is something special about that. You you feel the music more. You're with other people, and just that the energy around EDM is not really competitive. Everybody is like all for each other. Even the DJs that are up there playing, they're, they're playing everybody, all the other DJ songs. <laughs> you know, so it's it's the, a really cool atmosphere for music. And I don't feel any type of competition, hate, um, anything like that going on in the EDM scene, which is another reason I was drawn to it.
0: So is there an element though, of being, I'm going to use the word a performer, because if you're the DJ that's up on stage and you've got these throngs of people that are there to listen, you know, you can't walk around the stage with your guitar to do a solo, you know, kneel down and, you know, show the people in the front row the chords that you're playing, you can't twirl your drumsticks like a drummer, you know, it, just go ahead. Cause you, you can tell where I'm going with that. It yeah. just kind of seems strange that, okay, the guy's just up there with his, with his gear. It's true.
1: It's true. It does seem strange. And even when I first got into it, I'm like, okay, so literally I could go and perform with me and just my laptop basically yeah, yeah. And, and sell out a stadium. Like what's with that? And I, I come from a musician's background. I play guitar, drums, keyboards. So, and I've been in bands. I like to, Not all the EDM guys do this, but I like to attack it from a more musical point. Even performing. I, you Like you said, can you get up there with your guitar and play? Yeah, you can. There's no reason why not. Get up there, take out the guitar part of your song,
0: and then oh, play it live I see, and, I see. Wow. while you're up there. Wow.
1: And uh, if you look at more and more EDM shows, a lot of guys are... Kind of transform transferring from just djing to performing, and there 's software that really allows them to do that, like Ableton Live is a popular piece of software where you can basically create your whole song in Ableton Live mm-hmm. and then take it to a stage environment and play your song live through the software so where you 're not it 's not like you 're just djing the
0: song i see i see wow yeah. that 's interesting and yeah i think I think what I meant by performance is. I don't want to say dancing or acting out the song, but, you know, if you're standing there with, and I'll dumb it down and say just your laptop in front of, you know, 15,000 people, yeah. you're standing there with your laptop and your arms are folded. It's like, wait, we're all having a good time down here. Look at that guy. He's just standing up there. He's not even <laughs> bopping his head or he's not bouncing up and down. And, and that's kind of what I wondered is, you know, is there is it incumbent upon that performer to perform and to show like, hey, I'm having just as good a time as you? I would say definitely yes. Um if you I think it was
1: 2013, the DJ was Hardwell. If you it's either 2012 or 2013. If you watch that performance on YouTube, just watch Hardwell behind the decks. He he's not playing any instruments. He's just DJing his music and doing some effects and transitions. But he is so energetic about it. His hands are in the air. The whole he's getting the whole crowd involved. He's not sitting there with his arms folded. He's literally having a time of his life, and the crowd is feeding off of that. So, yeah, that to me is a performance,
0: you know? So the people that are listening now that are writing down his name, are, are, are you suggesting look up that at Ultra or yes. just him in general? at Ultra. Okay. okay. It was
1: the show where he's basically playing. In, it's a giant pyramid-looking structure that he was playing at. <laughs> it was either 2012 or 2013, and just listening to that and watching that, it just gives me chills, that whole performance. Wow. And he's literally up there just behind some some, de- some like records.
0: Amazing. Uh, so when did you start uh, creating EDM, and, and, and what got you going with it? Cause started, you, especially since you just mentioned that you played in bands and, and all that.
1: Yeah. I played in bands in college, and then I, I kind of just left music for a long time, and I, I got into some other fields. And then about uh, four years ago, I saw some videos on Ultra. And I'll tell you what did it for me. I got a new car and it had Sirius XM radio. Uh, And I'm like, what's what I wonder what kind of stations are on this because I never had it before. And I found BPM is one of the stations, which stands for beats beats per minute. minute, Yeah. Yeah, And uh, (laughs) the other one was electric area. It was like station 42 and 43. They were right next to each other and they played dance music. And I just got addicted to dance music listening to those two stations because it it never got old. I never heard the same song twice. It was just very refreshing and fresh and new. And then after I heard it for a while, I said, I got to try to make this. And so maybe about six months after that, I just, I bought some software and I started making it myself and that's how I got into it.
0: Wow. Now I want to say, and and tell me which one is it that you're from, I want to say New Jersey, but maybe it's Philadelphia, Philly, Philly. Okay. So, uh, at what point in time was this that you got the car and it it had serious, were you already down here? Actually, yeah, I was down here. I just moved to Tampa. But how do you feel, you know, we're talking about Ultra and and that it's over in Miami, but obviously, you know, the genre is global, but do you feel that, you know, it's not that strong here in Tampa or, oh boy, when I go up to Philly, they barely know what it is. I mean, what kind of, what's your look of your view of the the EDM landscape across the country for perhaps?
1: It's not that big in Tampa. I'll tell you that right now. I tried to start an EDM producers meetup group in Mm -hmm, Tampa mm -hmm. and... I had just had a couple people coming each week, and then then nobody started coming. I mean, not a huge scene in Tampa. Uh, Miami is a different story. Sure. Um, as far as the rest of the country, it's EDM is blowing up in the U.S. in various parts. I think uh, Vegas, um, uh, and like Washington area. I, I want to say it's not in the U.S., but in like Vancouver in Canada, is blowing mm-hmm. up. New York. Um, there's even in Philly is so uh, it's it's blowing up in the U.S. But it's already been blowing up all over the rest of the world, so it's this is new to the U.S.
0: The U.S. is catching up. And we're catching up. Well, I'm not surprised to hear you say Vegas, because as soon as the question left my mouth, I thought, I, why do I think he's going to say Vegas?
1: Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they do have uh, a festival in Vegas, Electric Daisy Carnival.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I, th- I thought you were just going to say, you know, because it's Vegas. <laughs> That's probably why, though, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, I am Bruce Wozniak and joining me today here in the studio, he's based here in the greater Tampa Bay area, it's Steve Cherubino, he is all over the place online, you can visit stevecherubino.com as well as Music.com. we'll get into that uh, shortly here and we'll be discussing yet another website of his as well as his podcast coming up here in just a couple minutes. Uh, Be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz, that's H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Tell others about it too. Feel free to use the social media buttons there as well to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And please, always love to hear your feedback about the podcast. You can post your comments on the Facebook page that I just mentioned. And as I said on a earlier episode where I had a guest with a difficult last name spelling, you know, I shouldn't need to sit here and spell out Cherubino. You can look at it on your (laughs) computer or your iPod or whatever you're listening to this through. So, um, Steve, what are your goals with, with, with the music that you make? What do you, what do you aspire to achieve with, with these projects?
1: I would like to be long-term, a successful electronic music producer myself, um, I'm finding that it's take it's going to take a lot of work because, like I said, I was a musician in the past, and that's great having that theory behind what you're doing. Like, I could play guitar, I could play keyboard, but switching over and doing music on your computer and creating electronic music, you have to learn how to program drums, you have to learn how to create bass, you have to learn how to do all the instruments, all the instrumentation, all the mixing, all the mastering, learning how to EQ, mm. compress, and you have to be every well. You don't have to be, but most of these guys that do are everything, every instrument, and and all the mixing. So it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot to learn, but I I love that aspect of it.
0: I, I have a slew of follow up questions from from that just from that one answer. Yeah. So number one is you said uh, you'd love to be a successful electronic music producer. In the intro to the show, I referred to you as a music creator. Uh, is that wrong? Are they synonymous? Um, because I, you know, I think of producer as in, you know, I've got a client right now. I was just talking to her on the phone yesterday. She's finishing up her her next album. So people will say, "Oh, who's producing it?" But it's very different, I think, from what you're describing.
1: Yeah, uh, the terminology for of producer in EDM is the one who makes the music. Um, You know, he could have a traditional producer over him who does producer type things. But when I say producer, I basically mean musician. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would like to produce my own music. That's how I'm using the word.
0: Okay. And then can you be very successful being a music producer in in the EDM genre, but never go out and, and quote unquote, as we were saying before, perform? Absolutely. I mean, that's so. So which do
1: you which which do you prefer? I would love to do both. Yeah, I would love to do both. Um, With the Internet, you can become like a a bedroom superstar. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, people can be playing my songs out, like other producers and other DJs can be playing my songs out. And I would never have to leave my apartment, basically. I would like to do the whole package, though, which is create my music and play it out.
0: Gotcha. Now, does it give you a leg up on the competition, the fact that you do have such a musical background? I think so, yeah.
1: I think so. There's a lot of guys out there that do really well with just taking their mouse or their trackpad on their laptop and just clicking in notes, never, ever touching an actual musical instrument. And they make beautiful music. It's mm. it's actually stunning. It's amazing how great their music is just by doing that. I think uh, by being able to play the music into the computer, it gives it a little bit more, I don't know, funk, soul, human touch, that might lend itself well so i think it's an advantage to have a musical background personally uh
0: here's a fun question for you i'm a, I'm a big fan of uh I, I think i think a couple of the of the networks do it i, I was initially going to say the nfl but i think the nba i've seen them as well the the mashups where they take sound bites from uh lebron james in his post-game press conference or uh, you know the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Jason Garrett, and they take all these little sound bites and they kind of mix all that together, but then they put the music behind it and it actually sounds like a song that kind of makes sense. Could you do that?
1: Yeah, I, I know how to. I'd probably have to work on making it sound really good. But that's the beauty about electronic music is you could take any audio sound and change the pitch to anything you want and put it in any order you want and cut it up and slice it and mash it up and make it sound completely different. So yeah, yeah, I can do it and anyone can do it wow. if you have the right software and the right know-how.
0: So, so would when they do that, when they do these mashups as they've come to be known, would you say it's, it's fair to put that in the EDM genre and say it's not just some little feature that they're doing on ESPN or on Fox, it's, it's EDM?
1: I would say so if people can dance to it. In my mind, EDM stands for electronic dance music, which means it has a dance beat. So
0: it's something you could dance to. Okay, so I mentioned uh, in plugging your websites, I mentioned Luke Fontaine, and and now we're going to confuse the listeners even more because I also want to bring Tone 40 into the discussion. So tell the listeners, differentiate for us between Steve Cherubino, Luke Fontaine, and Tone 40.
1: Okay. This was my, what I thought was a brilliant idea when I started creating electronic music. Like I said, I needed a lot of practice to get to the point where I, I felt like my... My music sounded pro level, so I decided to create an alias in the meantime and practice making music under the alias. So when I finally got good enough, I would drop the alias and release songs under my real name. Uh. So Luke Fontaine is that alias. He's basically the uh, the character I use for to practice when I make practice songs. Um, and I also decided that as I'm creating practice music and I'm getting better at my my craft i can sell all the songs i i made as practice under Luke fontaine as like stock under for stock music sites or commercials or videos and wow. so i use Luke fontaine music as like a practice i don't know what to say uh alias and basically sell, try to sell the music i make my practice music so okay. i'm basically it kind of gave me an excuse to make this music and still think i'm making money doing it while i'm actually practicing i'm making money so It kind of helped me along paying some bills, too.
0: And your thought was, once you got good enough at it, then you'd be releasing as Steve Cherubino. Yes. But instead, we have Tone 40.
1: Well, Steve Cherubino is my real name. Tone 40 would be my DJ name. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, as as I drop Luke Fontaine, I would become Tone 40 when my music is good enough. And I'm actually releasing tracks that are, like, club-worthy. I would be releasing them under Tone 40. That's that would be my DJ. Name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. I think it's, I think it's a, a smart approach. Uh, not, you know, not to mention, you know, the business model that, hey, this is something that, you know, I'm finding my way into, but they're going to be good enough that I could sell them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I considered that even my practice stuff was good enough to sell a stock music that somebody could use in their YouTube video or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, there's money to be made in that whole field as well.
0: Well, one thing listeners that Steve is doing that is very strategic is aligning himself with pros that make electronic music. This, I'm sure Steve helps you stay at the forefront of what's going on so that you stay well informed on the genre and the industry. What was what, what was that your vision when you launched your show The Producer Podcast? Yes.
1: You know, having a background as a podcaster, um I I had the know-how of, how to do it. I been podcasting for years and I wanted to do a podcast about something I really enjoyed, which was electronic music. So I decided, well, I'm trying to learn how to make electronic music. Why don't I just interview as many professionals as I can in that field and ask them anything I want about how they got to where they are and what they do in the studio and just release it as a podcast. And so that's what I've been doing lately. And I'm having such a great time doing it. I'm I'm talking to guys that are on like the Beatport top 100, um, and I'm basically asking them, how do you make your music? What are you doing in the studio? How did you get in the Beatport Top 100? How is your song blowing up on SoundCloud? I'm just basically asking them all the things that a you know a, uh, an aspiring producer would want to know, electronic music producer.
0: But did you find it difficult at the beginning in launching that podcast to get some of the big names? And, and, and if not, how were you able to get them to come on when it was a new podcast and Tone 40 isn't known around the world yet. Right.
1: Well, I, I realized that that would be a challenge, so I just started a little smaller, and I was I was grabbing guys not off the Beatport Top 100 from a different pool. And uh, I was getting still getting really good producers, in my opinion, but not maybe as well-known as some of the bigger guys. And I just, on a slow gradient scale, I started working up my way to bigger and bigger names. And if you do it on a step-by-step basis like that, you can get the big names to come on your show. If they see that you're reputable, you're releasing shows on a consistent basis, your website looks great, and you conduct yourself professionally, they'll say yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, ask not what your fans can do for you, ask yourself what you can do for your fans. In other words, if all you post on social media about is please go do this or please buy that or please vote here or please help me or us get dot dot dot, people are eventually going to feel like you're just using them for favors. Balance out your posts, meaning establish a significant ratio of informative posts to call to action posts. Space out the timing of when you're asking for something again. And that is today's Bruce's bonus. Um... I need to mention here that, you know, as, as we touched on very briefly earlier, that Steve has been co- podcasting for quite some time. I know that people who are listening to Now Hear This Entertainment are likely doing so because of the guests or just because they enjoy good music interviews in general. But those of us who are podcasters know that there's a whole podcast community out there, a, a podcast movement, so to speak. And while the general public might have only heard of the success say that, you know, an Adam Carolla is having because they know him from TV. There's a guy in California listeners named John Lee Dumas, who is making a living and a real nice one at that from podcasting. And where I'm going with all this is Steve Cherubino is actually the one who sold John Lee Dumas, the program for how to get into podcasting. So Steve talk about the, the, that business venture, Because I know you still actively market that service to people who are starting in to podcasting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, around 2008, 2009, 2010, towards the end of that, when I thought maybe podcasting is not going to take off as much as I would like, I said, well, look, I really know how to podcast well. I have these skills I've acquired through the years. Why don't I just make a course on how to podcast and sell it to people so they could start podcasts of their own? And I did that. And in two thousand I can't remember it might have been 11 john dumas bought my course and uh, a couple months later he emailed me and said you know i bought your course i watched all the videos i really liked it uh, i'd like you to be on my show entrepreneur on fire and i'm like well i never heard of that like, well, yeah sure why not i like to be interviewed so i went on his show i was on episode 50 and we talked and then uh, after that i just kept following john and listening to his, his uh, shows he was releasing after that and they were really good and then I just watched him just basically turn into this podcasting juggernaut who basically literally took over the world of podcasting and is making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month with his show to me that was just very inspiring and I really it was like uh, uh what's the word validating that okay podcasting is taking off podcasting is what people want he's proof he did it right so uh yeah, I still sell that course on Udemy. dot com. That's u d e m y. dot com. Um, a bunch of people, other people, have bought it besides John. And uh, yeah, I, I'm. I also do podcast consulting, and I'm real excited about people launching their own shows. I think it's it's super cool, and I see the excitement in their eyes about it. And I, I like helping them out and getting them to the next level.
0: Well, and I think that it is a testimonial to the knowledge that you have. And the program that you put out, that he was able to go on to such great success from buying that from you. I know he bought other courses as well. I don't know. I wish I could say, yeah, he
1: listened to all my stuff and he became huge. I know he did a ton of research in the subject. I hope, I you know. I, I like to think that some of my stuff helped him out. I can't say for 100%
0: sure, though, but I think my course is pretty good. Well, but, you know, as I mentioned, he's in California, you're yeah. in Tampa, So, you know, a lot of what goes on here on this podcast is I know that there are people out there listening that are saying, for instance, I don't know why this specific example is coming to mind, but way back on episode two, Alyssa J C, who's a a very successful singer songwriter in Nashville, um, she talked about how she used to live in San Diego, et cetera, et cetera. But she talked about how she is based out of Nashville, yet she went to both Italy and to Hawaii and while she was there, decided, hey, there's a house of blues. I'm going to play there while I'm on this trip. So I said, how did you do that? Because I know people are listening and saying, wait a minute. You know, it would take months to get into one of those places, if at all. So where I'm going with all this is, granted, I know we live in, you know, the, the technology era. And, well, all you got to do is put it online, I suppose. But how does a John Lee Dumas in California find out about this program that Steve Cherubino down in Tampa, Florida is selling? I mean, were you really actively marketing the heck out of out of that service?
1: Not really. Uh, I had it on up online for a while, and I think he found it through the keywords of how to podcast mm-hmm. because the site was howtopodcast.biz, which doesn't exist anymore. I put the, the course on Udemy, but he probably just typed how to podcast and my site came up. So I, I have Google to thank for that. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't really marketing it heavily. In fact, sales weren't that great because podcasting wasn't big back then. And, uh, I was about to give up on the course, to be honest. I was like, well, I guess there's not a demand for this. And then John Dumas happened and now everybody wants to podcast. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I didn't market it heavily. It's just, uh, like, what well, you said the internet, Google found me.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think that is a testimonial though, cause cause you quickly said the keywords, so I think that's a testimonial of, of how important. And I know that you help people get their websites going. So obviously, you know, depending on who you talk to, you know, SEO is where it's at. And other people, eh, it's not, not really such a big deal anymore. Um, but in your case, the, you know, the keywords were probably the thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think you could SEO something to death. Like, I don't think that would be right even. You don't want to game Google or game any of the search engines because if they find out you're doing that, they won't be happy. So just be use common sense when you create your website and put if you're making a site on how to podcast, make sure you put how to podcast in there. <laughs> That's that was basically the the extent of my. You're gonna SEO. write that
0: down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you don't have to game the system. Just in, in my opinion, to make it online, you have to do two things. You have to number one, just make something amazing. That's the first thing. You have to be awesome. Whatever you do, just be awesome. And then the second thing is use common sense to put some keywords in there.
0: Okay, but I guess I want to ask you, you know, a pretty blunt question. I mean, are you I don't I don't want to, I don't want to say offended, but because anybody that has a laptop can podcast now and it's so easy to get your stuff out there you know, here's a guy that's been doing it for six years and has hung in there as it looked as though maybe it was going away, and now everybody and their brother has a podcast. Do you look at it as you know, gee, as 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 a mutual acquaintance of ours calls you, gee, I'm the podfather here in Tampa, <laughs> and now everybody and their brother has one. You know, listen to mine because mine's really good. How, you know how 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 are you reacting to this this podcast craze? I'm
1: not offended
0: because.
1: The same thing with podcasting it exists in music, even though the barrier of entry is so low now and anyone can do it. Even though that exists, people still aren't making amazing. Like only a few people are making amazing stuff. So even though the barrier to entry is low, it doesn't mean you're, the quality of what you produce is still going to be high. Um, and I listen to you know you could go into iTunes and listen to a lot of podcasts, and I hate to say this, but a lot of them are terrible, <laughs> <laughs> horrible. The audio quality is just horrible and the the content's bad and uh, so I still think the cream will rise to the top even though the barrier of entry is still low so no I'm I'm not offended at all I've seen it play out that still only the guys that are great make it
0: well it's very well said you know and truthfully I, I don't listen to as many podcasts as people might think that I do or might think that I should but I am amazed I listened to one today and when I pressed play at the very beginning I felt like oh, what happened? And I literally looked at my iTunes screen to see, like, why does it sound like these guys are already in the middle of their conversation? And I don't know if there was a technical (laughs) glitch or if it's just poorly written, the show's poorly written. I know there's another one that I listened to that, again, something isn't right somewhere. And and all those details, you know, as you said, the cream is going to rise to the top because if you pick one and you say, oh, I see the running time is 34 minutes, and then you click on it and your little iTunes... uh, timer or whatever the timeline shows that it's 16 minutes you're thinking well which is it and and that happened to me with one I was listening to wow. and it just kind of tailed off yeah and and you could tell that the podcast was nowhere near over and I thought that's that's a way to lose listeners absolutely that happens a
1: lot I, I remember when I first started my first podcast I, I checked out all the competition and I was very happy after doing that research to know that um, I, have, I definitely have a shot because a lot of them uh, need some work. So there, even though there's a lot of competition out there, if you're good, you'll do, you'll do well, I think.
0: So if you're starting a podcast, should you check out your competition or should you just say, hey, I'm confident in what I'm doing. I'm just going to put all my time and effort into this. I don't, I don't need to slow myself down listening to them.
1: I don't think you need to, personally. It's not a necessity. Sometimes when you get bored and you just want to like, poke around iTunes, you can check some other shows out. But like I said, just make something amazing. And people will take notice. Yeah, I think
0: the other th- mistake that it's tempting to make is to say I'm the only one that's come up with this idea. <laughs> you know, you I, I heard somebody referring to uh, I'm the only one doing this because I went on GoDaddy and I looked for the URL <laughs> such and such, and it was available. Well, that just means the, the the URL is available. It doesn't mean you're the only one that's ever come up with that podcast idea. Exactly. Is, is there a way though to to get some sense? of is anybody else doing it or how many other people are doing it or, or some idea of the size of podcasters that are doing what you think you want to podcast about? Yeah, you could get an idea. iTunes
1: is still like the number one podcast directory for, for podcasts. So you can go on iTunes and do a search in the iTunes box of the topic you're looking for and see what comes up. You'll get to see, you'll get a taste of your competition. Google, not so much. I mean, you could type in podcast and, and another keyword, and you might get a couple shows or you might get podcasting apps. It's it's less uh, accurate. iTunes is still basically the number one. So you could definitely check out your competition if you go to iTunes.
0: Which is interesting for you to refer to kind of iTunes as a good place to do a search. You know, I've heard it said that YouTube has become, and no surprise since it's run by Google, but that YouTube has become one of the biggest search engines out there.
1: Oh yeah. Yes, I mean for music, definitely YouTube. Not so much podcasts. Um, I used to put a lot of podcasts on YouTube and they got some okay results. But you have to really make a dedicated effort like say, oh, "Okay, I'm going to be a YouTube podcaster. I'm going to put I'm going to really push YouTube and like market everybody to YouTube." You know, a lot of people don't post on YouTube because they want to they want to own their content. So they want their podcasts on their website. And all iTunes does is basically pull your podcast from your own website. iTunes doesn't store any podcasts themselves. It's not like hosting it like YouTube does.
0: Well, talking about YouTube, EDM, if you go back to our conversation earlier about the producer being someone who really needs to be a performer when he's on stage, is it more difficult for someone who's producing EDM to produce a video to put on youtube because it's not again i'll go back to you know a girl who's strolling through the (laughs) cornfields in her dress and her cowboy boots or it's not a guy who's doing an amazing guitar solo is it tougher to come up with a video um because you're basically your only choice is you with the headphones rocking it out at the decks yeah i guess i guess you can i never checked out like statistical evidence of this but
1: um The only thing I could say to that is the music will have to speak for itself. Your song is going to have to be so great that the person watching is not going to care if there's a pretty girl walking through the video. Like when I do my videos, I basically just put Tone 40 up there, but it's a transparent graphic and I just change the background colors. Like a lot of famous producers just literally put up their album art on their YouTube video just so they get it up there. If the song's great, I think it will be okay.
0: Yeah, the alternative, I suppose, is if you do have an opportunity where you can perform live somewhere and get some good footage, hopefully there's a good crowd there, you know, that's...
1: Yeah, that's good. Like, an example of that is Skrillex. And no matter what Skrillex live video I watch, he's just rocking it. And the crowd is so into it, and that just really pumps me up. So, yeah, you're right. If you do have a good live show video, uh, that, video that footage will probably help you out. But live shows...
0: How much of the how much of the show that you are seeing and not hearing, uh, you know? For instance, I mean, I am a huge Rush fan, and mm-hmm. Rush has always been known for years and years for their light show. So, you know, that's part of you know. I am going to I am going to call it Rush Incorporated. Yeah. So, if Tone Forty was out performing somewhere, you know, I am imagining that you are going you you personally are going to be the one that's going to be responsible for having your own lighting rig to bring to these shows.
1: Well, yeah, it's Tone 40, it, it would be. But if you're Skrillex or somebody huge, you have somebody doing that for you. And since, like you said, you're a DJ up there, you're not playing an instrument, you're basically just playing tunes and doing some stuff and turning some knobs and doing stuff, but nothing crazy. A lot of these guys, I think, depend on their light show to really bring that excitement. And EDM light shows are amazing. Some of this, It's not just lights, it's lights and video. Some of the stuff these guys do... Avicii, Skrillex, um, Cascade, Tiesto. These guys really put on a show. And I've seen videos of it and I- I'm blown away. I- I'm almost more into that than watching a live band.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I am Bruce Wozniak and joining me today here in the studio, he's based here in the greater Tampa Bay area, it's Steve Cherubino is all over the place online. I previously mentioned stevechirabino.com as well as Fontaine music.com. Add to that list www.theproducer.club, which is the internet home for his podcast which you can listen to on iTunes and SoundCloud. Plus there is also www.tone40.com, so it's tone and then the actual number is 40, tone40.com. That is his artist site. Uh, be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz. That's H-E-A-R. And sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Tell others about it too. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And please, as I mentioned earlier, your feedback about the podcast is always welcome. I encourage you to post those comments on facebook.com slash Inc. And so, Steve, the show you're doing now, The Producer Podcast, uh, is what number on the list for you? Because you did have other shows before that one. So how many different podcasts have you? And I know we talked about a thousand, but I don't Hmm. mean episodes. How many actual different shows have you had?
1: I'm just doing two two shows right now. Android App Addicts. It's on the PodNuts Network, podnuts.com. And The Producer Podcast at, like you said, theproducer.club those are the only two podcasts I'm doing now. Um, I used to have, own a whole network of podcasts and I used to do all different ones about computers and technology and different things. But, um, right now I'm just doing those two and I'm just trying to put everything I got into those two. So
0: when you say I used to have a whole network of podcasts that you were podcast mm-hmm. that you were hosting,
1: I was hosting, I was hosting five different podcasts a week. Wow. Maybe six at one point. And, uh, yeah, it was a blast. It was a blast, but I, They were mainly about computers and computer repair because that's what I was doing at that time. And I'm not doing that profession anymore, so I don't have the material to talk about. So uh,
0: some other guys have taken that over for me. So five or six before, two right now, Mm -hmm. so that's at least seven, maybe eight. Are there any others out there that that you did?
1: Yeah, I did one called The Art of Podcasting with uh, Mark Cockrell and Professor Messer. And that's at, uh, you could just do the art of pod, Google the art of podcasting. You'll see that one. What other shows have I done? Um, everything on the Podnuts network, the early shows on the Podnuts network. I've done the art of podcasting and then just the shows I'm doing now.
0: Well, and I know that with, uh, the producer podcast, you've already done 54 episodes. I just, as strange a question as this sounds because you are the pod father, because you, you do have such a rich history in it. Do you aspire to do another new podcast at some point? No, I actually don't.
1: I, I would like to stay focused on the electronic music stuff and really, really hit this producer podcast hard and see how big we could blow it up and then take that and from there just actually produce music myself. And I would like to I would like to just do those two things as like you know the 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 next couple of years is what I really want to focus on just those two things. So
0: is it safe to say that that this podcast the the producer podcast is this the one that you've gotten the most enjoyment out of out of all the ones that you've done over the years?
1: I can't say that. I could say lately it's the one I'm most interested in
0: because
1: <laughs> I really loved all the ones I was doing before at the time. And then as I move on to different things, I want to talk about the things I'm interested in now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right now I'm loving it because I'm really into electronic music and it's just right up my alley. And I, I recommend, Bruce, if anybody is really interested in the subject, there's n- almost nothing more fun than creating a podcast about it because you get to talk about it and you get to interview people that you really look up to in that field once you get them on your show, which is yeah. not that hard to do. So uh, I highly recommend that.
0: And as you said, learn a lot of things along the way. Absolutely. I'm asking
1: these guys all the questions I, w- I want to know, and they're telling me. And, uh, you know, it's it's to basically help everyone who's listening, but I'm also helping myself by gaining that sure, knowledge.
0: Sure, sure. Well, everyone's show has a different schedule. Uh, now here, This Entertainment comes out every Wednesday, and I mentioned on a recent episode uh, that it has gotten listeners from all five regions, meaning Africa, the Americas, Asia, Europe, and Oceania. Tell the listeners about the producer podcast in terms of when you put out new episodes as well as some of the guests you're getting because, wow, talk about international reach. Just in July alone, Steve had a Grammy-nominated DJ from Sweden. Uh, You had someone from Argentina, someone from New York City, someone from Australia, someone from Amsterdam.
1: All over the world. I interviewed somebody from New Jersey today, and then yesterday it was somebody from Slovenia. It's it's just... It's literally, you throw a dart at the map and that's my next guest. You know, it's like there's there are, EDM is so worldwide that, yeah. It's all over the place. We release shows every 2 to 3 days. And I'm going to try to keep that schedule in to, to be consistent with that. And you know, we're going to like I like you said we had Stonebridge who is a Grammy nominated um producer and we're looking to get basically more Grammy um hopefully Grammy winners, um Grammy nominated And people who are just really crushing it in the field. Uh, We have our lines out there right now. I don't have any confirms for like a real superstar just yet coming up. But uh, keep listening to that show and we're we're just basically going to have everybody on there.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. And so you're releasing two or three shows a week. Are you recording them all at separate times or in one day you're knocking everything out for the week?
1: I like doing it at separate times. Because it just spaces it out for me. I, I can't personally just sit in front of my computer and record eight shows in a row. I get a little twitchy. <laughs> <laughs> so I like spacing them out. Yeah, they're they're literally twelve in the afternoon. One will be seven p.m. at night. Uh, it's that's just the way
0: I like to work. Well, and I was going to say that, you know, again to each his own. Some people might want to do seven all right in a row. Yeah. But I would I would think, and again I I, I mentioned earlier in this show. That back on episode eight of this podcast, Dominic Pages talked about the recording environment, and that if you come into the studio tired from having worked that day or upset because you just got in a fight with someone, it's going to come through on the recording and I have to think that if you're going to record six podcasts all in a row, seven podcasts all in one day, that by the time you get to that sixth or seventh one, boy, you are going to be working twice as hard to not sound like you're recording your seventh podcast of the day.
1: Absolutely. In fact, you know, we talked about John Dumas, who does the show Entrepreneur on Fire. He, I think he does like seven in a row or eight in a row. And I can tell from listening to his shows which ones were done later in the day Mm. and which ones were done right when you woke up. Yeah, you can tell. So I don't like doing it that way, but... Heck, if you could knock out eight podcasts in one day, more power
0: to you, and and make six figures in a month as, <laughs> as a result. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, we're running out of time, Steve. But back in the intro, I did mention that on top of everything we've already talked about, yeah. you are also a voiceover actor. Yes,
1: yes. Um, you know, I needed to. Uh, I needed to make a living somehow. I mean, podcasting is great and fun, and I'm building up my shows, but they're not at the point where they're sustaining me financially. So I said, I already have all this equipment in my apartment. I have a studio set up. I have a good mic. Why don't I just put myself out there as a voiceover actor and do voiceovers? So between Fiverr.com, Odesk, Freelancer.com, Elance.com, a couple other sites, I just put myself out there and I'm getting voiceover work. So that's that's
0: paying my bills. Wow. Uh, We're going to close out the show today with a song of yours called Cups. Tell the listeners about this song. Maybe when you did this one, the inspiration for it, and, and I guess just your whole process when, when you're creating electronic music, meaning your thought process as well as what equipment, what software you're creating with, and, and even the female voice on that song.
1: Yeah, this song is, if anybody has seen the movie, movie Pitch Perfect, Anna Kendrick basically auditions for uh, her you know group with this song in the movie, and they released that song on the radio, and I heard that, and I said, okay, I got to remix this song. So uh, it's just, she has a beautiful voice. There's not a lot of music going on in the background. I thought it would be a good mix I could do. So I just put a dance beat behind it, grabbed her voice, put it over it. It, it is a bootleg. I don't have Anna's permission. Um, but uh, basically what I do is just put a, a beat behind it, usually at 128 BPM, find a good baseline, You know, grab some synthesizers and just try to make something really lush and that fills up the chorus when the chorus comes around and just make something that makes people want to dance too. That's my whole goal in making dance music. It doesn't it make you move. And, uh, I put some strings in there, some synths, a little bit of everything in there. And, uh, I think it came out pretty good. So,
0: well, keep doing what you're doing because, you know, when you sent me the two tracks in advance of this interview, I listened to them both and I thought they were great, you know, and I, and, and I was amazed that this is something that is, you know, obviously the, the opening song as opposed to this one that you created from scratch. I mean, and, and what you just described is kind of neat, too, because it is con- kind of like being a traditional producer in the sense that you're listening to it and you're going, well, you know what? It's just missing something, you know, or I'd like to see this get added or I'd yeah. like to see us get some strings or I'd like to see us get some ukulele or whatever it is. Yeah. So very neat. Yeah, that's the beauty of
1: electronic music. You could put in whatever you want. And, you know, there's no limits. With with synthesizers on your computer, you can literally get any sound you want that exists and just make some crazy new ones. And that's why I like it so much. So I'm definitely going to keep doing
0: it. Well, Thank. and again, maybe the uh, the title of this or, or the theme of this episode should be The Cream Will Rise to the Top because you can put in whatever you want, but ultimately, in the end... You know, you'll you'll find out, you know, because, again, you can sit down with a with a guitar or or with whatever your instrument of choice is and do whatever you want. But if nobody likes it, nobody's buying it. Obviously, you, you should only do whatever you want as a hobby, exactly. <laughs> not to make a living. But uh, <laughs> congratulations on, on all your podcasting success and, and keep up the great work with with that and, and with the EDM, too.
1: Thanks a lot, Bruce. Thanks for having me on, man. I, I had a
0: blast. I, I love doing shows, so I, I really appreciate you asking me on. Absolutely. I will close by formally thanking my guest, Steve Cherubino. Check him out online. Now, get ready because there's all kinds of websites here where I want you to look them up, www.SteveCherubino.com, as well as www.LukeFontaineMusic.com, plus www.LukeFontaineMusic.com, plus www.tone40.com and as I said before that's tone and then four zero don't spell out 40 Um, also be sure to listen to his podcast The Producer Club which is on iTunes and SoundCloud and it's at theproducer.club you can get to those uh, iTunes and SoundCloud links from his show's website uh, theproducer.club Don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz. Sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And, of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. We would love to get a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, accompanied hopefully by a five-star rating. If you're listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and share episodes there, and you can also follow, which is akin to subscribing. As I mentioned before, your feedback on the show is always welcome. Post your comments on the Now Hear This Facebook page. There are links to that and Twitter and even the Now Hear This YouTube channel on NowhearThis.biz. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's C-B, as in crystal blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Steve Cherubino, or I guess I should be saying Tone 40. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Cups. I'm sure
2: like some sweet company And I'm leaving tomorrow What do you say? When I'm gone When I'm gone You're gonna miss me when I'm gone You're gonna miss me by my hair You're miss me everywhere oh. you're gonna miss me when I'm gone